Section 39 of the Turquoise Storybook Stories and Legends of Summer and Nature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Joseph B. Campo. The Turquoise Storybook. Stories and Legends of Summer and Nature by Ada M. Skinner and Eleanor L. Skinner Cuff and the Woodchuck by John Burroughs I knew a farmer in New York who had a very large bobtailed churn dog by the name of Cuff. The farmer kept a large dairy and made a great deal of butter, and it was the business of Cuff to spend nearly half of each summer day treading the endless round of the turning machine. During the remainder of the day, he had plenty of time to sleep and rest and sit on his hips and survey the landscape. One day, sitting thus, he discovered a woodchuck about 40 rods from the house on a steep hillside feeding about near his hole, which was beneath a large rock. The old dog, forgetting his stiffness and remembering the fun he had had with woodchucks in his earlier days, started off at his highest speed, vainly hoping to catch this one before he could get to his hole. But the woodchuck, seeing the dog come laboring up the hill, sprang to the mouth of his den, and, when his pursuer was only a few yards off, whistled tauntingly and went in. This occurred several times, the old dog marching up the hill and then marching down again, having had his labor for his pains. I suspect that he revolved the subject in his mind while revolving the great wheel of the churning machine, and that some turn or other brought him a happy thought, for next time he showed himself a strategist. Instead of giving chase to the woodchuck when first discovered, he crouched down to the ground and, resting his head on his paws, watched him. The woodchuck kept working away from his hole, lured by the tender clover, but not unmindful of his safety, lifted himself up on his haunches every few moments and surveyed the approaches. Presently, after the woodchuck had let himself down from one of these attitudes of observation and resumed his feeding, Cuff started swiftly but stealthily up the hill, precisely in the attitude of a cat when she is stalking a bird. When the woodchuck rose up again, Cuff was perfectly motionless and half hid by the grass. When he again resumed his clover, Cuff sped up the hill as before, this time crossing a fence but in a low place, and so nimbly that he was not discovered. 
Again, the woodchuck was on the lookout. Again, Cuff was motionless and hugging the ground. As the dog neared his victim, he was partially hidden by a swell in the earth. But still the woodchuck from his lookout reported, All right. When Cuff, having not twice as far to run as the chuck, threw all stealthiness aside and rushed directly for the hole. At that moment, the woodchuck discovered his danger and, seeing that it was a race for life, leaped as I never saw Marmot leap before. But he was two seconds too late. His retreat was cut off and the powerful jaws of the old dog closed upon him. The next season, Cuff tried the same tactics again, with like success. But when the third woodchuck had taken up his abode at the fatal hole, the old churner's wits and strength had begun to fail him, and he was baffled in each attempt to capture the animal. End of section 39